Genesis 24, <laughs> verse 62. just studied where Rebecca made the only statement necessary that typifies what's necessary in you for your fulfillment. And when I asked the question, she said, I will go. And once, you've, once she said that, then there were no other ambitions. There were no other hopes. She had one vocation in life, and that was to meet with Isaac, to become the bride of Isaac. Now, there's humongous silence in the scriptures between her saying, I will go, and the next where she meets Isaac just like there's tremendous silence in the scriptures about the silent years of Jesus from 12 to 30 or really from birth to 30 which is one exception one rebuke thing when he was 12 the reason is is that if there if it wasn't silent then you would use either the life of Christ or the path of Rebecca as a role model God demands that there can be no role model in faith. You never know. You, all, you simply come out of where you are. You go without knowing. And you go, you start the journey in hope, because, and the only reason you can start a journey in hope is because you didn't like what was back there. famous line from I don't, I don't know where we've been I don't know where we're going but I know where we was wasn't it well God is never going to give you as an individual or us as a body a role model of what it will look like because that wouldn't be faith Amen. All you, all, all you can know is the only reason you say I want to go is because you don't like where you've been. Now, once you've said I will go, then you may not like some of the stuff on the trip, but it becomes meaningless because you see the end, you see the hope, and you're not your your function isn't to be on the trip. That's just the means to the end. Amen? Okay, she said, I will go. She's brought with her her nurse, Deborah. And she has Eliezer. The nurse, Deborah, as we've talked, as we saw, the nurse was the law. And Eliezer was the Holy Spirit. And those are your guides. Those are your sustenance. 
Okay, now 62 through 67, where Isaac meets Rebecca. You read it, Brian. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to mediate in the field at the meditate. Oh, meditate. I can't see. Meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, camels were coming. And Re Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when he saw Isaac, she lifted off the camel, or she lighted off the camel. <clears throat> for, she, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was com comforted after his mother's death. Amen. The Talmud says that from the point in time in which Isaac was offered up, Until now, it's three years, and he's been in the desert, learning the revelation of God, the fullness of the revelation, the fullness of his mis the mystery, the fullness of what his role and function is, what it means for him to be the child of the promise. He's out in the desert. God's telling them that he's the type and in him all the nations of the world will be blessed. He's extremely thirsty and the desert's very hot. His dad just tried to kill him. He says, right. He's broke, doesn't have any money. Probably stepped on a nail. Probably stepped on a nail. Stepped on a piece of flint. He spends three years, according to the Talmud, in the desert. Just like Abraham, I mean, just like Paul spent three years in the desert after his revelation, alone. Another section, another story in the Talmud by another rabbi says that he went, he was, he was taken up to the third heaven. And for those three years was taught Torah. But either way, again, scriptures are silent. The third, <clears throat> the third heaven is the first heaven, according to the ancient Jews, the first heaven was that which is the atmosphere of the earth. The second heaven was the extent of the universe. And the third heaven was eternity. Okay. So anyway, Isaac is uh, alone in the desert for three years. 
<clears throat> and something happens and he knows that it's time. And so he's leaving the desert, walking back towards Abraham. Abraham's at Beersheba, which is in the nice part of Israel. been dwelling. Dwelling means he wasn't just visiting there, he was living there. It's that thing I talked about, about Yashab. <coughs> and he comes upon this place called Lahai Roi. And it's a well. And Lahai Roi has two possible meanings. One is a question. And it says, do I live after seeing God? My second meaning is the well of living after seeing God. That's what the word means, Lahai So even in there we have the mystery of the cross. No man can see God and live, and yet that's the purpose of your existence that you might be the member of the bride. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. What did he meditate about? What is Christ meditating about in our absence? Christ is meditating about the bride, as Isaac was meditating about Rebekah. Because he knew in the spirit that she was approaching. The time was getting shorter and shorter. He's seen the total revelation in the desert. He'd seen the mystery of time and space. He knew why he'd been created. and it was about to be fulfilled. The, the, the three years that Isaac's just spent in the desert, the three years between being offered as a sacrifice and being united with the bride, now, does that correspond to the three years between Christ's baptism and resurrection? It also corresponds to the three-year cycle. So his ministry, his time of ministry, was as Isaac's time in the desert. All right. And that's the real meaning of the three-year cycle. Except it's, taking, it's, it's going to take us 21 years to go through the three-year cycle. Makes sense. Huh? Makes sense. Because we're dullards. Well, Jesus <laughs> Christ and Isaac. <laughs> Do you understand? Can, can you feel what I'm talking about? Do you understand that? I mean, I don't want you to understand with your head. I want you to feel it. I want you to be as Isaac and be as Rebecca. First of all, Rebecca saying, I will go, and leaving all behind. And Isaac, with the instant revelation, it cost him everything. It cost him the pain and the suffering. And Isaac doesn't know that Eliezer's been sent. Or does he? He knows now because that's what he's been meditating on, and God has revealed it. Yeah. Time and space is going to end in a minute. Yeah. Amen. With 
Why? That's really a cheap shot. I didn't I'm sorry. Hear, I didn't even hear what you said. I'm especially going to end it a minute with a bang. What comes after the big bang? The big cigarette. All right. <laughs> Everybody understand. You emotionalize what is happening. The Old Testament has an interesting word about meditate, or an interesting definition of what we mean is, we think about meditate as, uh, oh, come on, let's think about this. Their meaning of meditate is to be bowed down to the ground as dead. Prostrate yourself before God. Oh, come on, let's have transcendental meditation. We can sit around and give flowers to a false idol. Get your mantra. That's my mantra. That's the problem with Christianity is Jesus has become their mantra. They sit around and chant the name of Jesus like the TM chants some mantra that has been given. I know nothing of prostration and nothing of what Isaac has gone through or what Paul went through. It's simply another ministering to the flesh. It's sick. Well, if Isaac had not been in that position, God would have revealed anything to him. Isaac was laying prostrate on the ground at eventide. He looks up. And he sees. He sees Rebecca. Where have we heard that phrase before? Lifted up his eyes and saw. That sounds familiar. I've heard a lot. We haven't we haven't let's let's wait and see what Rebecca does, because that's the type here. Do you understand that Christ, we know nothing about the three days that Christ was, um, his soul was in the depths of Gehenna, or know nothing about the suffering of the cross, or know nothing about taking on him every heartache, every point of confusion, every doubt, every fear that the human race has ever experienced. But he could not have gone through this unless he had lifted up his eyes and seen Rebecca and seen the bride. She's in total submission. 
Now let's see what the bride's response is. First of all, she's riding on a camel. And a camel is the word gamal in the Hebrew, which means a burden bearer. Once she said, I will go, just as once you say, I will go, then your burden bearer is Jesus Christ after the flesh. With Eliezer as the agent of your, with the Torah as. But once she sees, she jumps, lighted. She jumps off the camel. And she sees, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. She's jumped off the burden bearer and become a co-heir. You understand? God is no longer Bali, or chief among gods. He's Ishi, or my husband. Capish? Well, 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field, and the eventide he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. Now, in both case, cases, the word lifted up is nasa. Isaac lifted up his eyes, and Rebekah lifted up her eyes. There's no other way to describe nasa and its fullness of its meaning, except in a sexual context. But it's not sex that has become, it's, a, it's sex in which every element of your being is involved, spirit, soul, and body. And you've never been consummated, and you look up in that moment of desire, and you, and that anticipation of what is about to take place, the consummation is what Nasa means. She lifted up her eyes. Isaac lifted up his eyes. Both lift up in that moment of desire. Peace. So what happened? In the transference, or in the walking from, or in the movement from Haran to Laharai, she all she was in, she was in this she was hoping but every once in a while she said she she was she felt you know I was getting I mean did I make the right move here oh my god what have I done but there's no way in hell she's going to talk the camel drivers into going taking her back Eliezer won't, no way is Eliezer going to minister her to her flesh. He's ministering to her spirit.
because he, he sees the end result. Abraham has got it all set up because he sees and he's become the friend and he's the friend because he's been told everything. Abraham's the friend of the angel? I don't know. No, I'm mixing. I mean, all, remember I've told you a hundred times, don't look at the scriptures and see one allegory or one metaphor or one type. Or, Abraham has set it all up. Abraham is, in this case, now the type of the father. Okay? Okay, so see, she saw Isaac. The moment she saw Isaac, she jumped off the burden bearer. I love that. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Christ is no longer seen as a helper or burden bearer or anything. You know, now she knows no man after the flesh. Okay, that's 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, no, chapter 14, no, 2 Corinthians, let's go there a minute, <coughs> chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the new, and the new creature has no need of a burden bearer. The new creature is the one who bears another burden. Well, in this case, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the idea, of, the concept of burden isn't even possible in the thought process. The burden is like carrying my burden, that's like, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's foreign to the concept of the thought process. There is no, that's like the leaven of Herod, that's like seeing a need or a lack, it's been possible. Because you've, you've been renewed in the mind. Okay, back to Genesis. <clears throat> Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Now, and she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? 
There's all kinds of stories about this in the Talmud, but um, remember I told you about on the Feast of Tabernacles that the stories about this the rabbis would get so ecstatic, I mean they'd go into ecstasy that they danced on their thumbs. Well, Talmud says that whenever a man has seen paradise, his only response is to walk differently. So he's walking on his hands or dancing on his thumbs no matter what the condition is because he's seen, he understands, he knows. It's their way of describing ultimate ecstasy. And that's what the Talmud says that Isaac has been doing. He's walking on his thumbs or on his hands because he's been with the Father. He's been in paradise. And so she's saying, what in the hell's going on? This guy's, my husband's walking on his thumbs? Anyway. And, Eliezer, and the servant, Eliezer, the Holy Spirit said, it is my master. And that's all the Holy Spirit can ever do. All this crap about what the Holy Spirit is doing and all these little meetings. The Holy Spirit is doing one thing, he's revealing the master. He's, many, he's meeting the needs on the way to reveal the Master. But can you imagine the temptation? Eliezer is a pretty swift dude. <coughs> I mean, you can start worshiping Eliezer any time. Start worshiping the Holy Spirit. I looked at Jesus, and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked at the dove, and he flew away. So never put those gifts, never worship anything that came from the hand of the Creator. Worship and see only the Creator. Don't give breath to anything, even revelation, to the body, to nothing save the Father. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Wait, 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 wait. All right, let's go back. Let's go yeah. back. Oh, yeah, the veil. You went to the veil? Yeah. Well, the veil is just, yeah, obviously, it's a wedding garment. So. It's the wedding garment. The righteous, it's in, you know, it's, it's Revelation 19, all the stories about the man that went to the wedding, he didn't have the right garment on. Well, this is the wedding garment. Okay? What is the right, what is the wedding garment? The righteousness of Christ. That's right. So the wedding garment is revealed only as you discern nothing of you and everything of him. And the wedding garment, the, holy, the wedding garment is placed on you. But if you ever think of self and your own 
and the wedding garment is off. It's got spots on it because it's spotted by the flesh. So then in 64 and 65, it's when, it's when the bride sees Jesus Christ. She no longer knows him after the flesh and puts on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision to fulfill the desires of your flesh. Now, but that's how she prepared herself for the marriage. Right, she saw. And by seeing, the she natural result of seeing was that the garment is placed on. And, and to no longer know Christ anymore. Amen. Get off the burden bearer. Amen. But I understand. Okay. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Are you, are you getting an emotional feeling for what's going on here? It's not just words in the book. Okay. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Let's go to Galatians 4. First of all, a tent, the word tent is the word oh hell. <laughs> or O-L. O-H-E-L, anyway. And it had its meaning was that it, it was a very very large tent in the natural and uh, it had a lot of rooms in it and in in the in the desert communities even still the the bedouin there's a the tent is separated in, in by rooms and there's a room for the husband and there's a room for the children and there's a room for the wife but the word is interesting. It, the word means, its root, the root meaning of the word is to be, to be or become clear or to shine with intensity. And the etymologists believe that it, that, that became the meaning of the, the word because when the tents were set up in the desert and the sun reflected off of them, then there would be the shining but in the spirit, we know the meaning of the only tent or the tabernacle is the New Jerusalem. It's, if we can see, it's set up and shining, and it's our only, it's where we are. Why is it referred to as mother's tent rather than as father's tent? Why'd you ask that? Galatians 4. You can't find Galatians. 
Well, the problem is, it's not that I can't find it, it's that this Bible is falling apart. Why didn't we get it fixed? Because you didn't want to give it up long enough. <coughs> Why didn't we get it fixed when we went to Arizona? Because we didn't think of it. Why don't we get it fixed when you go on vacation? Verse 21. <coughs> okay, now do you understand? First of all, well, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? If Rebecca would have believed that she had chosen Isaac, then by definition, Rebecca would have tried to prepare herself in the natural. And that's the simplest definition of the law, to be under the law. You understand? She wouldn't try. She would have tried to be different than she was. Okay, to to try to be different than you are is what it means to be under the law. Now, tell me, you that desire to be under the law. Now, you understand now to be different than you are has. The, the, the deal is, is that you have to be all that you are. Do you understand psychologically and internally how much work it takes to hold something in? To not prophesy, to not say what's there? Do you understand what it does to your nervous system? Yeah. Puts you up tight. Oh, I don't like that Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Hmm. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to the Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. No, that's not just talking about the Jerusalem over there. It's the Jerusalem is in the spirit. It's wherever you, it's it's um, it's where you go for your law. You know, it could be est. You know, whatever. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Which is the mother. Of us all. <clears throat> huh? 
Right. The New Jerusalem is our only mother. The, and, and what we know of the New Jerusalem is, is the place in which you're fed. This is the New Jerusalem. It becomes the Jerusalem that now is if I ever tell you what to do. It becomes the Jerusalem of the law if I ever tell you what to do. You understand? So the marriage is consummated in the tent, in his mother's, Sarah's tent. Now, that doesn't mean she had a separate tent, just as though the New Jerusalem isn't only, there's all kinds of stuff in the New Jerusalem that surrounds us, that's the overriding reality. But the New Jerusalem is always typified by the body. or the body typifies the New Jerusalem. Do you understand? That's why, that's when I, you know, the Mother's Day, call no man on earth father, and call no woman on earth mother. This is our mother. Because we, as children in the type, come from the same spiritual womb. Everybody understand? Okay, back to Genesis. And took Rebecca. That didn't mean he took her someplace. It means he biblically knew her. They did it. Now, there's all kinds of interesting stuff going on. One is, is that that was they did it on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. the meaning of feast. They did it without a ceremony. I mean, there wasn't any feast going on or any marriage. Nobody said any vows. Or, they just did it in knowledge. The moment you do it, the moment you have sexual intercourse in knowledge, both parties, you're married. Because that, the only reason for doing it, in God's eyes, is to reveal to you the mystery of the Feast of Tabernacles, the mystery of Isaac and Rebekah, the mystery of the Bride in Christ. Now, the big deal here was that he had to go to the Canaanite. He, he couldn't take a bride of the Canaanites be, because um, Canaanite women were promiscuous. I mean, by any, matri any, any matrilineal society tends to be promiscuous, as we can see in what's happening in America. But, um, you know, I'll form matrial, I mean, I'll, never, never mind, never mind. Um, 
but God is doing something else. And uh, God, do you all understand why Christ had to be born of a virgin? Does that ever, have we ever talked about that? <laughs> Why did Christ have to be born of a virgin? Do you ever think about it? I mean, that's all you hear growing up about virgin birth and blessed virgin Mary and you sing songs and Christmas little thingies. What is the meaning of the, of the hymen or the, is that what you call it? Yeah. If, if, if you accept the premise, it's repeated a hundred times in the New Testament, that we battle not against flesh and blood. The battle there means that really flesh and blood have nothing to do with what's going on. Up to the point of the, the revelation of Christ, the battle was flesh and blood. Previous to the, this age, previous to the age of Adam, then there was this, the, and, 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 and there was a spiritual, the Lucifer's kingdom is the spiritual test. You understand? It was pre, the pre-Adamic age is Lucifer. And they were spiritualized because they ate both of the tree of knowledge and the tree of evil, and that's where we get our fossils and all that stuff. Is the, there's no such thing, as, there's no such thing, believe me, as evolution. But there's no such thing as what modern religion says about, about uh, creation either. Both of them are all screwed up. The scriptures have a very clear picture. And the reason for it is the age of Lucifer, the pre-Adamic man, which we see all the fossil evidence for, and things like Atlantis and all those things, it had to be because that kingdom had to be spiritualized. They had to have their existence in the spirit. And so God, in his justice, offered them the way in which the totality of the plan could have been revealed, but they rebelled, and they ate both of the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, and of the tree of life. God couldn't, that really pissed God off. We're talking, he was big time mad. And the flood that he destroyed the world with made Noah's flood look tame. I mean, he wiped out every living thing. Seed, fish, birds, everything was destroyed. And so the earth was without form and void. It doesn't mean it wasn't round anymore. It means it was barren and waste. And the only thing that was there was the water. So what we see now is this creation that's recorded in Genesis was the beginning of the age of Adam. And that's been about 7,000 years. There's, and every evidence indicates that's true. Now, the age pre-Adamic, pre the age of Lucifer, was for the spirit. The, the, to provide the antagonism of the spiritual realm. From Adam to Christ was to provide the antagonism of the flesh. From Christ to the finish is to provide the antagonism for the mind. Now the three realms have to be tested. Spirit, flesh, mind, or soul. The better stated is the test of the soul. And the soul isn't that which is eternal. That's, again, part of modern BS. The soul is the thing that makes you, you. The seed of Christ is eternal, it's the spirit within you. The soul is just your emotions, your mind, your will. That 
part of you which is so disgusting. No, no, I didn't say that. The part of you that makes you, you. Do you understand that? Makes you different. So now, all these laws and rules and stuff in here, they'll never change. The law is spiritual. It's always here. And it was the revelation of the meaning of the law after the flesh. Now we're in the age to see the revelation of the meaning of the law and the meaning of the purpose of God after the soul. And to, to be up and, and surrounding us is the spiritual realm, which is providing the continual antagonism. Does everybody understand that? Okay? So, the, the questions of virginity and faithfulness and being nice and sweet and obeying all these little laws and all that stuff is all of the realm of the flesh. It's all right. It's all perfect. But if you try to live by that law of the flesh, i.e. you try to change yourself in any dimension, then you are, you've, you've left the battlefield of today, which is the soul, and you've gone back into a battle that's already been won, and you've said the, you said the battle isn't won. So you've gone back there and you're fighting, you know, you're fighting with a bunch of dead corpses. Now, all this is, is tied into this meaning of virginity and why Christ had to be born of a virgin. Then you're going to go to Genesis 3 for a minute. Chapter, Genesis 3, verse 14. Well, anyway, no, no, let's go to verse 9. Genesis 3, verse 9. They, huh? The, the man and woman had just eaten of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You ever seen a pomegranate? Well, that's what the rabbis believe was the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil is the pomegranate. <clears throat> and um, the pomegranate has in, 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 in incredible numbers of seeds inside it. In each one of those, it's like if you consumed a pomegranate, you wouldn't just have one seed, you'd have bunches. And so, and the more you ate the pomegranate and the more it did its thing, then the more and more and more seeds there would be. I mean, it's like, every other fruit that I'm aware of, most fruits just have a couple little seeds in the middle. Pomegranate, the fruit in itself, it's just weird. Well, that's what happens the moment you eat of the tree of the fruit, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you begin to judge for yourself good and evil in every one of those arenas. And then the more you eat, the more, the more you have to judge. And Jesus said, least studied scripture in the Bible in Matthew 23 15 he said prophetically speaking to the whole church he said you shall travel over sea and land to make one convert and when he is made you shall make him twice the child of hell that you are now people don't like to study that scripture a great deal because that's all the church does is they go over sea and land to make a convert that's great. But then they forget the second half, that they make him twice the child of hell that he is. Why? The only time a child of hell is ever defined in the scripture, it's one who is eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and thereby judges for himself what's good and what's bad. 
And that's the antithesis of the opposite of walking in that moment of childlike dependence on God. If you cry, if you feel bad, you cry. If you're hungry, you scream, whatever it is. But you're in that moment of dependence. You, don't longer, you no longer have the right to judge for yourself, your surroundings, or anyone else's. Well, the, and so you see what religion does, because you're genetically of the child of the devil, as Jesus said the human race was. Not only are you a child of the devil because you've gotten the one seed and you're eating of the tree of knowledge and good, because you've eaten of that, now you've got the pomegranate and you're sucking on a barrel of pomegranates every day. And that's what religion does. It teaches you 10,000 seeds or arenas to judge more and more and more what's good and evil. And so therefore they're twice the child of hell that the original one was. Now, because they've, den they've denied, Jesus saw that his life was the end of the battle of the flesh. So as long as people are running around now playing in the flesh game, then nothing in the spirit can happen. They've got the covering between them and God. It's their own judgment. They are as like gods. Now, the only time anybody is like a god, and that's what the test was for Eve, the serpent told Eve that if she ate of this beautiful tree, she would be as a god. Well, that's what every one of you want to be. You want to be as a god. You want to replace God. Your mind wants to be instead of God, and that's all the Antichrist means. You are the Antichrist. Your mind, because it constantly wants to be in the position of judging right and wrong. And you do it all the time, constantly, rather than seeing clearly that you're simply, that this is simply the arena for this other thing to take place. And it can only take place when right and wrong, good and evil, has been ripped off your brain. Now, Genesis, no. So, so now we got the scenario. Adam and Eve were running about naked in the garden, having a great time. They were doing it whenever they felt like doing it. They got hungry, they reached up. They got horny, they went under the tree. They did anything and everything they wanted. And in that point of, and they could, can, can, it's kind of impossible for Adam and Eve to commit adultery, you know, unless it's with a pig or something. But, but you know, at, and that's, that's not adultery. And, and besides that, they, they had no knowledge of it because that, that wasn't of that. I mean, the idea of doing it with something not of your kind is, is impossible in the animal kingdom. Kind only produces kind. Well, in the spirit, the same is true. And in Adam and Eve, they were just being, they were just happy little kids running around and, and, through a, and they had the potential to be transfigured just as Christ was, but they screwed up. But the moment they screwed up, look what happened. In verse 7, they ate it, and it says, And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew they were naked. Well, that's kind of a startling revelation. Why didn't, why didn't they know they were naked before? Because they were only aware of God and others. They never had a sense of self-consciousness. At the fall, self-consciousness overtook them. The mind was split into conscious and subconscious, now they had a self-consciousness. First thing that happens in self-consciousness is they justify themselves. Second thing is they blame somebody else. Now watch. And they heard the voice of the Lord, in verse 8, 
God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now what we do, we, hid, we hide ourselves from the presence of the Lord God, of the, from, in, we hide in the trees of our groves, <coughs> this is the high places in our subconscious minds. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. That's a dumb thing to say to God. But anyway. So they're hiding from God because they're naked. I mean, does that give any of you a tinge of, uh, you never do that. Anyway, let's, let's see what happens. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave to me of the tree, and I did eat. So the first thing that happens, they justify themselves. And the second thing is they excuse. They, they make an excuse. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Okay, now we're going to start seeing the mystery unfold, I hope. And the Lord God sent unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. What is enmity? Antagonism. And between thy seed and her seed. There's no question that the seed of the serpent that's talked about, Jesus confirmed it, Paul confirmed it, John confirmed it, John the Baptist confirmed it, the seed of the serpent is the human race. Now, in every, in the ancient manuscripts of this Bible, before people, one of the things it says, the serpent, the serpent didn't look like a snake. Lucifer was the most beautiful of all of God's creatures. The serpent had intercourse with Eve. And the human race is of your father, the devil. Until you know that, you'll never understand anything else I say. So it says he's going to put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of woman. Now, who's the seed of woman? There's only one seed of woman in the scriptures. That's Jesus Christ. Because it didn't come from the seed of the serpent. It came from the seed of the Father, seed of God. It had to be a virgin birth. Now, all that is typical of what's taking place in your mind. And then the process says, listen, what? We've said that the hymen, the 
is the type of the separation between soul and spirit. That's right. If he was born of a virgin, then he broke the hymen in reverse. He went from spirit. That's what I'm telling you all the time. Well, it just got through. Okay, well, let's see if we can get it through there, the rest of them. He opened the matrix. That's right. Now, that's why you can't get there from here. That's why you can't get religious. All that religion does is tries to get in the pants of the spirit from the outside in. They're trying to have intercourse with the woman, and God says, no, it can't happen. So that, that, that wall between soul and spirit is the spiritual hymen. And the only one that can break that is the seed of the father, the seed of the woman. And, that, and, there, and it, it's broken from the inside out, just like the ark is built from the inside. In the tabernacle, the first thing that was built was the ark. The ark, I mean, it, it's everything from God is inside out. The last thing they put on was the white linen. In Christianity, the first thing they put on is the white linen, but it's got spots because it's touching the flesh. That's what it means to touch the flesh. It means that you have intercourse with the wrong person. So the enmity, the antagonism between the seed of the serpent and the seed of woman is what's happening now. In your minds, your spirit, which is the seed of woman, is Christ, is trying to suppress down the seed of the serpent, which is your flesh, your everything else, and that you can't do what you want to do. You find there's this humongous battle. Every time you want to do good, you can't do it. You don't do, if you want, I mean, you know, it's a whole Romans 7 thing. Romans 7 is about intercourse. It's about the flesh trying to suppress down the spirit, the spirit trying to suppress down the flesh. You know, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. Every time I try to do good, evil is present with me. None of my plans work got all these great plans and they always get screwed up or even if they sometimes I make it then I, they, they didn't give me any joy or pleasure well it's because this and this isn't religious this is universal all men there's nothing religious in the Bible peace now Rebecca and Isaac typified this battle and they typified Christ and the bride. So back to Genesis 24. Before we leave, three. I just saw the answer to the question, where is the evidence of his presence? The evidence of his presence is the existence of the trees to hide in. It's the existence of the groves is in fact evidence of his presence. Well, more than that, the evidence of his presence is antagonism. If you're without chastisement, you're not a son. Why you rejoice in tribulation? Now I know what the purpose of Rope's weekend is. To cut away. So you can't hide behind the trees anymore. Okay? Now notice, again in Genesis 24, verse 67. And Isaac brought her... 
into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Now there's no ceremony. Didn't require them standing up before a preacher and saying I do. I mean, do you understand how stupid that is? Or be going before a justice of the peace and saying, do you take this man to be your lawful? What do I do? The act of marriage for the, I mean, you're, you're, you're married to the first one that, you know, if you want to play the natural game, first of all, you're married to the first one that you broke the hymen for the women. And the men, you're married to everyone you've ever gone with, every, everyone you've ever penetrated. If you want to play natural, the natural law, I mean, some of us, have, we're in big trouble. There's no, you know, modern religion preaches against premarital, premarital sex. There's no such thing as premarital sex. That is the marriage. Now, if you get married in the spirit, you have to be divorced. That's why to have relationships in here in knowledge will destroy you. And it will destroy one of you will have to leave. Unless God works a humongous work of grace. You're married. You don't have to. It doesn't matter whether you get up and say, I do. You get a little license and get all legal. God didn't give a flip about all that stuff. How many times have you been married? How many divorces? Yeah, man, I kid Harry about, you know. But I mean, <laughs> now fortunately, in the spirit, you're still all virgins. Now, start playing that game instead of the wrong game. Start, you know, don't play the flesh game anymore. It's stupid. It's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's stupid. That's why when every one of the people in the group's gotten married, I've whispered to the bride, you're a virgin. Doesn't matter what she'd done before. Because by definition, to God, to be married, you must have broken the spiritual hymen between soul and spirit. Now we can get on with the game at hand. Now we can get on with the right ball game. But if you want to play the natural game, if you want to try to improve your flesh, if you want to try to get better, if you want to try to, all of the things that if you want to be under the law, then every single time that you have had sexual relations with an individual, you're married to them. Do you, do you, are you getting an understanding of this? I don't care if you, I want you to get what Harry, Harry's favorite word, the gestalt. Not the line upon line stuff. Now, do you understand why the battle is no longer flesh and blood? And if you want to play that battle, you owe, I, there's a lot of you that owe alimony to a whole bunch of people. So it's time to quit playing that game. God, God said that game's finished the cross it's done it's finished now there's a new now, now let's get on to the thing at hand
the thing at hand is we are one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And if two of you are not separated from the love of God or a group of us are not separated from the love of God, then nothing can separate the group. Doesn't matter what your stupid feelings are at any given time. Except that, that may reveal a spiritual condition that you might see more clearly. It's never a negative. It's never anything wrong. It's simply something there that's revealing something that the body needs to see to move on to perfection. You can't be worthy. You know, you're, the only way you're worthy is by the blood. Okay, now every time we take communion you drink the blood, you're worthy. Down to the most secret places that only you and God know about. Every time you're, you're going to be healed, every time you take the bread, by his stripes I am healed. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the flesh anymore. Jesus said, now we go on to soul. Lucifer said, spirit. Adam said, flesh. Jesus said, soul. That you may be perfected, you may be perfected totally, mind or soul, body and spirit. It's the meaning of the cross. The cross says it defines the new ball game. Of course, religionists would kill us for saying what I just said. Because they totally destroy every element of righteousness they have. Because they love to be righteous. You know, you got some old idiot preacher that hadn't had a hormone in his life. He doesn't know what it is to be horny and he preaches against sex. Big deal. I mean, just because you have overactive hormones, does that mean God's going to wipe you out? Well, it used to mean that when the battle was flesh. Because you smoke a joint, does mean God's going to wipe you out? Because you listen to rock and roll music, does that mean the spirit's dead? All those are stupid things that the world is playing in religion. They deny Christ. By his blood you are worthy, and by his stripes you have been made whole and complete, wanting nothing. Now, the reason that God... I still haven't answered the question. Do you understand it now? I mean, without me answering it in words, why there had to be a virgin birth? Because it had to be, the matrix had to be broken from the inside out, not outside in. It's because perfection comes from the inside out. And we always try to put it on the, put it in the show on the outside. Yeah, that's why Jesus said, Jesus the harshest words Christ ever said for those who, who, who are, who are whited sepulchers, excuse me, Janice, <laughs> and, and, and they, they, they make the outside white and inside they're ravening bones, ravening wolves. They're just wounds on the inside, but they, you know, they got the nice, the outside nice and white. The point is you try to make the outside clean. You try to make it look nice, even to your mind, your conscious mind but you know you're a liar. That's why Christ came not to save the righteous, but to save the sinners. If you think you're righteous, God can't do anything for you. 
by his blood we are made worthy down to the innermost depths of our being because that as we drink it so we drink the wine it touches every cell of your being by that you are worthy I think I think everybody's in shock are you okay well I'm wonderful I'm just thinking about when, when, a, when a child is born the head comes first the body follows the head going through and breaking the, 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 this dividing line between soul and spirit and God it's just but you understand the mystery and the freedom and the grace that's set before you. Do you understand what it means to understand these mysteries? These are this isn't negotiable. This is what it's about. It isn't an option. This is what's happening in all men. The thing that destroyed Rick, Rick Robertson's friend of, that used to come to the group eight or nine years ago. How long ago? When did he leave? Eight years ago or nine years ago? Nine something. Years ago. Um, first of all, he's just totally blown away that we're still around because he, he can't believe it. But the thing that he caught, he, he just heard a, a tape on tithing. And he, right after the tape was over, he called me. But the thing that blew him away was this thing that, that you know, all men tithe. When you can see that, when you can see that everybody ties to their chief God automatically, then you can begin to understand that none of the stuff that's talked about in the scriptures is an option. It's all a revelation of a condition. Either the condition of the whore, or the hollow of Babylon, or the condition of the bride. And the hallmark of the, hall of the harlot of Babylon, it's all that's left since the cross, the whore and the bride. And the hallmark of the whore is putting on makeup, acting like she isn't. Enticing. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, let nothing beguile you from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing but grace. If God can't deal with me, then, you know, if I, can, if I have to be anything other than what I am, with no apology to anyone, then God is incapable of handling the mystery. Larry Ferguson, when we first started this group, he, he just got freaked every time I opened my mouth. And he just, his prayer was, and he said it so many times it got to be a joke. So I don't know if Oli's right or wrong, but all I know is that if I've prayed to God that if Oli's wrong, that God's going to kill him. <laughs>